0: Hello, just a little note before we start this episode. If you're listening in real time, there is a special third birthday episode coming up, which is going to be a live event somewhere in Melbourne. It's going to take place on November the 7th. That's a Thursday night of Melbourne Cup week. Save the date. The tickets are going to be extremely limited for this one. And it's likely they won't even go on public release. The only way you, that you'll be able to find out about it is by being one of the chosen few. If you go on the website, thechosenbrewau.com, which is a link in the show notes of the podcast, sign up. That's the way that you're going to get the link first. I'm going to make sure that I look after all of you who have done that. You're going to have first refusal on the tickets. The guest is locked in and is sensational. The beer journey is going to be great. You're going to get to try the beers as as they're talked about. And it's a birthday party. It's a Thursday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll keep the cost of tickets as well as reasonable as possible um, to make it as good a value as we can. Thanks for listening to that little bit at the front. If you're not listening in real time, that's irrelevant. So the episode's still relevant. So let's get on with it. A warm welcome to the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast. My name's Ian McNally, and this is the podcast where guests talk the way through the six beers that changed everything. In this episode, I was fortunate enough to speak with Leon Perkins, who some of you will know in person, but a lot of you will only know virtually online, because Leon runs one of the biggest beer appreciation Facebook groups in Australia. It's called Beer Thread. Leanna has so many brilliant things to talk about regarding social media, Instagram, how to take beer pictures and how to deal with those sticky issues when some of the breweries that you might admire or enjoy the beer from make an error in terms of their PR or what they release online. This is such a fascinating chat and also a fascinating beer journey. So let's waste no more time. Let's get into it. Leon, welcome to the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast. Cheers, Ian. Thanks for having me. Well, first off, can you explain where you fit in? Because I feel like you have probably more of a day-to-day kind of handle and also influence in a big part of the craft beer world.
1: What is it? And do you think that's true? I'm glad you say world and not industry because I think that's an interesting discretion because you know i feel like a bit of an outcast to the industry when it comes to you know whether it be brewing beer or selling beer or promoting beer and a lot of the industry events per se i'm not a part of um however you know when it comes to just being um involved in what's happening almost like from a from a serious spectator point of view so you know almost a parallel to like being at the mcg you know, watching, <laughs> bringing the sport thing, but watching, you know, a big game and, and having and, and having all of the crowd on your side. So I think it is a funny, funny little position because there's nothing that I have to own or defend. It's very much like, it's a hobby um, and running sort of a beer group and the Instagram and all that kind of stuff, it... It's just all there, as I can say as I please, honestly. Um, and I do have friends that work in and around beer, but I'm still going to tell it like it is, and that's just the that's just my position. I mean, you're probably similar.
0: Yeah. So, well, 100% independence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but not averse to free beer. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. So yeah. I, um, so explain what um, part specifically you play. On, in in Facebook and mm-hmm. then Instagram, and we'll put all the links in the show notes sure. for any listeners who want to click through who aren't
1: already part of it. So, in 2014, I I was you know just a beer enthusiast with a bunch of mates that also had a similar interest, and you know I clicked that dreaded button on Facebook, create group, and uh, the group itself initiated as like a bit of an offshoot because I had a lot of mates that were into. Music and guitar gear, and then um, some of those mates were actually part of a, a another group called Gear Thread. So just as a bit of a, a you know a nod to the to the our interest in beer, I called it Beer Thread, um, and it was always just meant to be a bit of an inner circle of mates, and then. Um, it just must've been the right time around then in, um, early 2014 where the groups were starting to sort of bloom. There wasn't many of them and, um, just a lot of it came down to having the right people kind of plant those seeds. So, um, all my mates, all my few mates that I sort of made admins when the group started, you know, one was a, um, a semi-professional brewer who's now, um, uh, running semi-pro brewing company in Brisbane, the others uh, Liam he's like uh, an amazing home brewer who's super well connected and um, and he literally invited all his home brewing mates so it kind of engaged the home brewing world and then I've got my twin brother who's sort of similar to me um, but up in Brisbane uh, and then uh, Paige who works for White Lies Breweries on on, on weekends and etc. So I think it and then a lot of the early people we invited were kind of teetering on that we're half in the industry we're half not but we just want to talk shit on beer and we want to have fun with it and enjoy ourselves and it just expanded in an organic way and it's just now it's just a group Um, the group itself is the way it might differ to some of the other groups I think if you look around Australia and some of the different sort of Facebook groups um, a lot of them kind of have their rules or their, their location based thing going on we don't really have that. We just kind of like it's it's sort of grown organically. More like um, the people involved have just kind of let it. You know, if if people come along and they say the wrong thing or they're idiots, we just get rid of them. If the right sort of people, when just you say be, get rid of them, just just uh, online, okay. that just does bl- sound block, a bit rough, doesn't do it? Do you <laughs> just block them or do you find um, where they live? <laughs> as in, as in, we sort of, whilst there's, it's not a rule based group. Um, what I mean is um if people just seem like they're an ill fit for the group and they come along maybe using um derogatory sort of slander and they start there's unfortunately the um the beer world does um attract a lot of uh jeez what's what's the way to put it like um rough sp- specimen sort of you know um people that maybe are just a bit um yeah, just a bit rough with their language and a bit like they they don't, they don't have kind of a, a 2019 sort of sense of um, respect for, you know, um, male and females equally and they don't sort of have all of that sort of stuff. So I think over time we're trying to make sure that that group does kind of respect um, different, you know, races, different sexes, different, um, you know... Everything, so it's it's more of just a balanced, equal group, and beers for everyone. So we don't want to kind of have the wrong people coming in and railroading the group. And it comes down to basically just casually blocking them out when they. <laughs> yeah, well, That's it's it. It. it's one of those
0: things. I think uh, it's not just beer groups that, it, that you know, this is a, a, an internet problem or a societal problem. Yeah, there's absolutely. people who, you know, uh, I suppose the only difference with a with a beer group is that you also add in potentially the consumption of alcohol which maybe makes people yeah. uh, you know gives them a bit of a, an extra confidence or oh, yeah. uh, maybe they're a bit more um i don't know sloppy with what they uh, wouldn't do in the yeah. workplace or they wouldn't say to their family but online it seems and yeah. there's been a few issues hasn't it in the recent yeah. um past you know um which have, I know on Beer Thread, have have kind of attracted, you know, whether it's uh, breweries with uh, misplaced memes, to put it politely, um, yeah, and definitely. things like that. Yeah. And then you have a lot of people who, you know, generally post it, uh, you know, or post it up there to say, oh, this is a bad look for this brewery, or who, who thought yeah. this. Yeah. And then the under-the-line comments, and we know you shouldn't go under-the-line because <laughs> yeah. you never come back, but yeah. the under-the-line comments do um kind of reveal a a side of things that i know that you know as yourself as well we don't want to promote as a as a community as a craft beer community um and as you say beers for everybody um Mm. so i know that particularly you have dealt with some of these things very eloquently and precisely uh, when you, I think I sent you a message a few a couple d- of months ago, just that. to yeah. say that yeah. uh, the way you dealt with one of the situations was so uh, on the button.
1: Um, you do this as a hobby. Could you yeah. do without that hassle? <laughs> um, look, I think that particular instance uh, had escalated to a certain point, and I try not to get, I try not to have to um, dedicate a lot of time to sort of trying to write up a big long-winded message like that but occasionally I think when things do get a bit out of hand that's when I've just got to step up to it unfortunately I mean it's a hobby yes but I've started that hobby and I'm continuing that hobby and um, as a result I've sort of got got to become someone that uh, well, not someone, but I've got to bring out a certain um, stern part of my personality and also my beliefs and everything and just kind of lay it on the line. And I can only hope, being an individual who started a group like that, that the things that I say are backed by the group. I mean, because the fact that, as I said, the fact that anyone can just click create group and do this – um, if you've got someone with morals that people don't disagree with, or, or you, you're on the wrong side of the fence, um, and you step in and you try to say this is how it's going to be in this group, and people don't like it, then that's that's going to upset a lot of people. So I try to um, I try to bring in a piece of myself, but also remain relatively. Um, um, I try to make sure that everyone's looked after in a respectable way. And I don't know, It's I don't think there's an answer to this question. I think I've just got to give it my best shot and hope that um, I'm doing the right thing. And the fact that yourself and a couple of other people came back to me and um, told me that that, me- that particular group message was a good one and also, you know, even just seeing a certain amount of people liking it and backing it up makes me think that maybe that it is on the right track, but it's a, it's a learning curve. Like I've had a lot of people leave the group because of certain inner disagreements that don't involve me, but it's sort of, it bums you out um, because I don't want the group to be viewed in a certain light. Like I do want it to be sort of an equal fun fair place where everyone can just enjoy beer. And uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky, but it's rewarding in the end anyway. So.
0: And it, it, there is a kind of a chicken and an egg scenario here from what yeah, I can see. that mm. um, The industry sometimes makes mistakes on various levels. And groups as big as Beer Thread who've got the finger on the pulse of, you know, these are all people who are m- a member of Beer Thread and, and others are enthusiasts. They are the pointy end. They are the craft beer Buyers, mm. they're, they're what grows the industry. And so it it's chicken in the egg scenario is that do they keep the craft beer industry in line as well? Um, and also, do we, as much as we might say, well, it's just beer, but clearly you can go on any in- internet uh, group for beer, and it's not just beer because it's wrapped within. Politics and outlook and you know the sexism yeah. or homophobia yeah, yeah, yeah. or and there's all these other layers yeah. of um different things even the um was the death from above the garage projects with the, yeah. the artwork the yeah. cultural appropriation or the uh insensitivity and and all those nuances all of a sudden become part of yeah. the beer world and it isn't just beer mm. do you think that the like a like, beer thread can influence the
1: industry as well as just being a side observer of it. I think beer thread, any group, even any individual, can effectively influence um, the industry. But I think I think it's how the industry reacts to it that matters. Like Garage Project, I mean, I've got nothing but good things to say about those guys. I I've chatted to them on numerous occasions and. The, the way that they embrace um, everything for the better uh, is just sort of admirable uh, and I think they 're a good example of how to deal with something you know like they 've dealt they dealt with that dFA scenario so well, and they also made sure that they've still re- released that same beer in the, in a new redesign can that doesn't disrespect. They've explained their reasons and the fact that it maybe wasn't intended as it has come across to some people. Um, but there's other breweries that unfortunately they almost implode um, when, when they get some feedback. They get some feedback and they get defensive and they, they start deleting comments from people on their pages. You've seen this. I, I, sh- I won't name names or Or worse,
0: they <laughs> start to like Comments, comments that, that are, are that are supporting almost them supporting, yeah. In in the yeah, negative story, absolutely. which is heartbreaking, really, like mm. to, to observe that.
1: Yeah, it's it's rough, and I mean it's. But I mean, if you you know, if you want to dig your own grave, you can dig your own gra- grave. I mean, we can't stop that, and there are probably. I mean, it goes to show too that a lot of people that are maybe whether they've created the brewery or they um, they're owners of the brewery, and they might be they might have been raised in a in a in a town or from uh, an era that maybe doesn't embrace the cultural changes that we're subject to living in the inner city suburbs of melbourne you know like if they're if they're not part of the kind of world that we're living every day they're not seeing all the changes and then when something is sort of flagged as inappropriate they just can't see it and then they think well you know what I'm a brewery owner how dare you question me and then they just go in guns blazing um, and think that their fan base or their um, their, their, their customers are going to support them and then suddenly they realize it backflips on them and people don't want that so and if you love beer
0: you it's a creative industry it's a creative passion. You have to have diversity in order to grow, yeah every time somebody posts something um negative or abusive, you're potentially losing a skill set or a talent out of the pool that could make better beer and yeah. I just think that you know the positivity uh, i suppose we we dwell on um the negativity because it that kind of gets the headlines and, and gets a bit of excitement. That's going. news in but, general, yeah, isn't it? You know, the wrong, turn wrong the news reasons. on and you'll see what's wrong. So given that, um, let's say, what are the positives of Beer Thread?
1: Because there's many, isn't um, there? Yeah, look, the... the, the biggest positive i would probably say from my perspective and a lot of the people on there is like i always get a bit chuffed when um friendships form you know it's about the fact that you see a few people that might have met through that forum who are basically hanging out a beer at a beer festival drinking a beer together looking happy i mean that's the point of it um and it also is a nice social outlet like dare i say if you're if, you, if you're if you at home and you've got two kids and you're having a quiet Friday night um, and, you know, you've got responsibilities and you also might want to have a beer and feel like, I, I don't want to drink alone, I don't want to feel like in a bubble you can just post it on there and you feel like there's a social outlet there and I don't think that's an unhealthy thing. I think that's welcome to 2019, you know, like we're drinking, we sort of, sh- we want to share it. We want to feel like, get some feedback. If you're not liking a beer, you, you, you can find, it. there's a social element there and I think that's always going to be the main reason for the group existing, um, however we look at it. So.
0: And from an industry point of view, it's really useful for those who are in the industry to be on these groups because totally. you find out uh, maybe fairly brutally as well. Uh, you know, your product might not be up to it, or that it's divisive, or that it's going really, really well, mm. more better than you expected. So, um, for all of those reasons, it's definitely it, you. You have to be a part of it, don't you? Though screen time, we could all do with reducing. <laughs> but yeah, you have I to think, pick and choose.
1: I think the industry people on those groups. I think it's it's important to be aware. Um, it's important to. Chime in when you have to, and maybe be receptive to those kind of giving you the feedback, but also not be personally offended or try to attack back. And then try to, you know, like I have seen some reps kind of respond in a way that's, um, that sounds like they're attacking the people, you know, having a go. I mean, this mm. is you, you're trying to provide s- reasoning. Well, you're trying to just explain. Some people have never had a craft beer in their life, and they have one, and then they attack, and they're angry. You've got you to gotta be the, the right sort of calming person. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting little thing, but it is, as you say, coming back to your point, I think reps do need to be on these groups because it is a vital ingredient to the beer world, the industry, and everything else that's happening right now. And I think the nice thing
0: of the beer groups is that you do see – people at all different stages of yeah. their beer journey. You know, people posting kind of their James Squire, the first yeah. James Squire 150 lashes or something, and saying, oh, this is on sort of my... Mm-hmm. And inevitably, people jump on, you know, criticizing James Squire, but yeah. we were all there. you yeah, know. Yeah, so, know right? And, and, yeah. and how, how much we think that we weren't. But I suppose this is what this podcast is about as well, yeah. to acknowledge... That it's a journey yeah. and that it's it's kind of nice to see people starting a journey with a James Squire because you think, yeah. well, the only way is <laughs> it can is only get better. Yeah, absolutely. But talking of your beer journey, should we get started? Yeah, let's do Yeah, let's really, go.
1: Let's go. Just going back to the first beer I've chosen, I really thought about this one in terms of um, when I was growing up and um, what was actually available. So... I graduated high school in 2002 I think and then for a couple of years like I was playing in bands and doing all that sort of thing so I was drinking a lot of whatever was on tap a lot of just everything but then one of my good mates got right into craft beer and we started having these sort of bottle shares we started going down and grabbing what we could that was interesting just that looks cool um but at the time, this is going probably back to, I don't know, mid sort of 2000s-ish, around there, where it a bottle share was, let's go to either you know Dan Murphy's or First Choice Liquor, and, and it was all sort of, you know, Belgian. So it was all international Belgians. There was um, a lot of sort of weird German beers and that sort of thing. So we used to get these epic bottle shares of just really crazy, like, styles that are like 50 100 years old and whatnot so this was a tough one because there's a lot of beers that i could have chosen to sort of fill this void but i think the one beer that really that i think back to drinking and thinking i'm hooked is the trappist rochefort 10 the belgian quad so that beer i mean you know it used to be something like six bucks a bottle you know and you could just grab that and it was i can't remember i can't remember the percentage of it but it must be over ten or something thereabouts, and that beer sort of existed in that same kind of, um, uh, same kind of tier as your West Fleder and twelve and your um, your Saint Bernardus, um, and then and that beer was just it's just even today it's like it's so big, so luscious, so c- classic, and just well brewed. And um, I just remember the first time I sort of drank a full glass of that. And I just almost sunk into my couch. It's just like you know, dark sort of raisin raisiny sort of goodness with just multi chocolatey lusciousness, and it's just a classic. So you grew up in Brisbane. I I've done a bit of so I, I yeah I I was born here in Melbourne uh, and then at about thirteen moved to the Gold Coast. Lived there for a few years. And then moved to Brisbane after high school, so as my own choice. And I think that transition was an interesting one. So if you consider that, um, on the Gold Coast, it was, it was, you know, and even Brisbane, 30-odd degrees every day. And there wasn't really much of a beer culture through the early to mid-2000s. So it was, a lot of it was just, it was a trip to Dan Murphy's or a trip to... Uh, first choice and finding those the international shelf and so that was a big part of my transition was just going down there with a couple of mates and we'd be picking skull splitters and um you know um schlenkeler you know uh erbock rausch beers and things like that like polarizing international styles that have been around for however long 50 years or
0: Or go on a beer adventure then
1: in a thirty degree day they'd
0: buy what was then a premium brand like Corona. Well we like
1: ninety a slab or we, we d- No, day. but we did do that. But the thing is like I think what I'm saying is like we, we did we did a bit of that and um, we'd buy our our cheap. They used to have a sort of a what was called like a max lager or something, it was ten bucks a six pack. Um, but we did we did our fair share of that and then one of my closest mates got right into trappist stuff, right into belgian stuff and we just started going, you know what, let's let's have some ridiculous challenging nights, you know, let's buy the at the time like the dumbest stuff we could find and let's just see what we think and it kind of hooked us in. We just got obsessed with the idea of just trying things and and that's one of the beers that launched us into this wow, okay, this is just another spectrum. And this isn't the most this isn't the easiest drinking beer on my list, but the reason I'm bringing this one up first is because wow. it was one of the earliest surprises for me because we, we, you and your mates were like
0: being nerds before being nerds was a
1: thief. Well, <laughs> I, I um, <laughs> amazing, yeah, quite an odd to see yeah, like, you so know, so you it was, but. Yeah, I I don't know. It was a, it was a really funny thing. I just remember this one particular trip we 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 decided to have a beer share and we went down there. We we had a trolley. Me and my brother and my mate, we brought a trolley into Dan Murphy's or whatever and um we were just one of those one of these one of them, you know, just chucking all sorts of things and I think I think those things like, you know, Young's Double Chocolate Stout, which is still a bit of a shelfie now, but it it's a great beer, you know? It's still it was there before the craft beer craze hit kind of thing in Australia. And it's still there now and it's still very drinkable and it's very well-priced. So it's... Well,
0: nobody can accuse you of jumping on the bandwagon.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. So, yeah, and there are beers that are coming up that might be a bit more um, down the line, but that was maybe after this ridiculous escapade of um, international tastings where... I found my feet and started to go. Okay, what do I want to drink a six pack of? And that's what's coming up next. So, so you kind of you've gone to the extreme, kind or, of
0: or like what was mm. then the extreme, and then yeah. you have you, got to again balance yourself out. So on, on in that theme, choice two.
1: So choice number two, um, just following up choice number one with kind of where my craft beer journey led me. Um, with a similar group of mates, we, we started spending a lot of time going down to Archive Bar. This was when we were living in Brisbane, and um, we do a lot of Sunday sessions there for some reason. I think it was it was something like you'd get a half-price pint, or there was always a special on Sunday, so therefore it was a good chance to go down and try a lot of the different beers. And um, One of the ones that absolutely drew me in, and I'll never forget the first time I had a pint of this and Um, thinking I'm kind of hooked on craft beer. It was so delicious, Uh, and I can't speak for it now, but I can tell you at the time it was, and that is Sunshine Coast Brewery, Rye ESB. It could have been about 2006, 2007, um, and at the time... Sunshine, the head brewer at Sunshine Coast Brewery was Scotty Hargraves from Bolter. So he was heading up Sunshine Coast Brewery and just doing amazing things. Like, as you know... Previous uh, guest of the show. Exactly. And um, (laughs) as you know, he's a fantastic brewer. And I think when he was there, that's where I saw the magic of what he does as well. And um, actually, I share this this kind of memory with Liam, who's one of the other admins on beer thread as well, because we both kind of reminisce over this beer and how good it was, but it's just, it was like toffee sort of caramelly and just um, like a bitter, but malty and just delicious. It was just so damn delicious. And I think for a young palate, it was like getting into craft beer. That was one of those beers that you drink and go, Oh my God, it's just so, so much going on. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how I'd feel drinking it now, um, where I'm at with my craft beer journey. But at the time, it was like, it was like a sticky the sticky date pudding of 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 beer, you know.
0: So and ESB, it's such an un- underrepresented style in Australia yeah. generally. Yeah. And it's wonderful. Like if you <laughs> yeah. if you get it right. Yeah. It's wonderful. Like it's wonderful on a sunny day. Yeah. It's wonderful at winter by the fire. Yeah. It's just got so much to give, yeah. And I'm sure I, I wasn't lucky enough to have that example, but you know, speaking to Scotty about his beer journey, you definitely, you know, like he's brewing an ESB on the Sunshine Coast. Exactly. It doesn't kind of make sense <laughs> geographically <laughs> yeah. or temperature-wise, no. But it, you can but see how it makes exact sense for Scotty to to yeah. brew a beer like that and brew it so well.
1: Also, if you look at what scotty's sort of background is and what his favorite styles were i think i mean i can see why he's gone and done something like that but that particular beer something about adding the rye to the esb it just it was just explosive in flavor and I, i i can't even really describe it now it's just nostalgic now for me it's just one of those what would you call it like a turning point in beer where i went okay if i can enjoy a beer this much by the pint and just get sucked into it then this is for me. I'm not going back to that dirty lager. Can we maybe get
0: guys on beer threads? What is it for? Almost five thousand of them to maybe yep. send a little message to Bolter?
1: To, b- <laughs> to to bro- release? All right. A if you're listening, Sterling <laughs> Rye <laughs> yeah. IPA, Rye
0: yeah. ESB. Sorry, yeah, the Rye IPA is a I ten a penny. You would, what you want is the Rye ESB?
1: Even like a limited release, maybe you know. I'm just calling it now. Maybe a beer thread collaboration beer, just. Just planting the seed, and then we'll see what happens. Absolutely. So yeah, so yeah.
0: that's a great choice. It's an um, interesting choice. It's, it's really a bit interesting, of a story. Yeah. And
1: there's um, and it's I did that one sprung to mind before any other choice tonight, and um, it's probably not a beer that anyone else on you, on the show is going to think of because it's very specific to a time and a location. And but there's a nice little backstory. People from people who are Bolter fanboys or girls now. Won't even know that Scotty used to head up Sunshine Coast Brewery. They might even know, not even know what Sunshine Coast Brewery is because it's not something you hear of down here. So
0: yeah, and um, I don't think I've ever had a Rye ESB. Yeah, right. So it's like, um, Note to yeah, I, I'm really, I, I almost want to stop now and go and search just find one. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It's a it's it's anyway. I think I've talked enough about that one choice three choice three really simple one and you probably get this in half your episodes but this one was important because this is the beer that kind of got me starting to really appreciate hops and really think i want a six pack of this no i want a case of this i and then thinking damn this is my favorite sessionable beer um and this just got me hooked on hops and very cliche, but Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. It just, it hit Australia. I can't remember the year it hit, but it, it was about 2010 or 2011 or so when I first disco- started discovering it. And it just kind of set me off in the, okay, it's Friday after work, pop around the corner of the bottle shop, they're stocking Sierra Nevada Pale, grab a six pack and just loving, loving it. It's an interesting one because I think it,
0: it does show up in people's six on this podcast but people do have different reasons why and it, yeah. com- it came in people's beer journey at different times as well yeah and i think uh like for me when i first had the sierra nevada pale i it was so bitter like yeah. you know it was so i just remember it being so full on for, mm. for what i was used to
1: it's and now it it, yeah. it doesn't seem now, like that because it seems you, really tame now yeah i think and i even remember thinking at the time i can't remember the percentage maybe 5.6 yeah, so or 5. something six yeah, yeah about 5.6 and i remember thinking damn this is a a heavy beer to session like absolutely because yeah. at that point i i was you know even though i was drinking these craft beers occasionally i wasn't sessioning beers that heavy um, I was probably sessioning things like Atomic Pale Ale and Little Creatures, and they were just that dialed back, just that little bit, even early fives. Yeah. So that beer just kind of like, just like really, wow. really changed the
0: parameter, I think, for a lot of people because it was yeah. that you know, although you're only talking yeah. 0.4 of a percent, its significance so, it was significant, it was, significant enough. To, it just
1: it 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 just seemed to. The hops just seemed to punch through, the bitterness punched through, just that it was dialed up that bit more than your than your like typical Australian pale ales that really challenged the Australian market to perhaps think, Damn, we need to either enhance ours or we need to start looking at releasing IPAs and that was that turning point I think for a lot of Australian breweries, at least I, I saw it that way.
0: Yeah, and it's um, the distribution and accessibility of it really helps. Yeah, and uh, then it was in came in cans, and yeah. then you had the torpedo which came yeah. along. But I think uh, yeah. in that Sierra Nevada pale, the the sweetness as well of it. You know, you had the bitterness, and then the backbone of it, the sweetness <laughs> yeah. that just gave it that Moorishness. Yeah. to keep coming back and I think that was
1: what made it such a special beer. Yeah, it very drinkable and sessionable but every sip was quite enjoyable. It didn't it didn't get boring like it didn't you didn't have that, you know, lethargic I'm drinking the same thing over and over thing. With with that beer it just seemed to keep delivering. Um bottle or bottle to bottle or can to can just seemed to keep delivering something. Um whether it was sweetness or hops or something it was just deliciousness um it's yeah. like you know people who
0: uh, like skydiving instructors they say you, you never get rid of that thrill of falling oh, out a really? plane it's yeah, like yeah. just the same every time it's yeah, like yeah. you don't get bored by it yeah. it's <laughs> the same in sierra yeah. nevada or
1: no that's a good analogy I, it is one of those beers i mean the only thing now having it now several years later i'm just not sure if my palate's a little bit more shot to that because we've been so um, engulfed in amazing craft beer that now it's like i can there's so many hoppy beers around that that beer tastes safe to me and I, th- I think the other factor that comes into it as well
0: is that local
1: yeah yeah we've got so many fresh beers and it's they they're just hitting your hitting your tongue so much harder because they're just a week old not 3 months old so yeah, yeah exactly despite the fact that
0: the supply chain is improving and they are getting it quicker and yeah. maybe cold chipped in some cases but it's still not you know still not, local beer is still yeah, better exactly <laughs> so, no exactly and it wasn't back then so no you know. and that was that was it yeah. so yeah so you started beer threads you know fairly early in the piece. i mean you start something like that off kind of you know maybe naively the you know and mm. now it's grown into what it's grown into i mean that's what five, six years it's been going, and, and, and You've got you got me
1: counting. Um, 2014, March 24, oh, oh, less, yeah. 2014. Yeah, so five, it's not five it's years,
0: not, yeah. So, yeah, wh- where do you think
1: it'll be? And will it still exist in five years? Will well, Facebook
0: still exist? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're asking me a question of uh, social
1: media platforms and the evolution of technology, but really, I don't know because you do rely a lot on, um, on social media and the way that that evolves. I mean, the only advantage I've maybe got, um, I come from working within the industry of um, tech and media and all that sort of stuff and um, and web. So the one advantage I might have is just the fact that I am in somewhat in tune with what's happening with social media. So I've obviously got an Instagram account um, under the same name and I, I do try to, uh, you know, um, nurture that similarly to the way I do with the, the Facebook page. So we can only tackle the technological sort of advancements as they hit us, you know? Um, whether they're good or bad, it just is what it is, and it can exist for the time it exists. And um, so, the, the, you, there's no big boardroom where you've got a big whiteboard where you're plotting where the thread's going to that's be. That's just in. what I do at home in front of a big board, and I go, "Yeah, no." You're in a big chair. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <sorry, laughs> uh, oh, my, my miniature schnauzer. Yeah. So. No.
0: so uh, on that note of uh, how technology moves on and so on, uh Instagram has been one of those technologies that really kind of has blown into something huge yeah Can you tell us a little bit about um, taking photographs of beer specifically yeah, there are many errors out there in terms of taking beer photography, which yeah, I'm okay. guilty of as well. Not that I take beer photography, I take an sure. occasional picture of beer. Um,
1: we, we've, we've, there's enough of them. Please don't be another one. There is enough, yeah. So, it's so and, boring. And that, so
0: yeah. what are the common mistakes that people um, make?
1: <laughs> it's like this question was built for me. I reckon you planned... No. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing that... <laughs> the biggest thing that frustrates me is um, people use the the latest versions of their iphone which is like the iphone x the iphone i don't know xs or the iphone whatever the max xx Max, and there's a portrait mode and the portrait mode what it does is it adds artificial bokeh so like that you know it blurs out the background and that works really great if you're taking a portrait photo of your head, right? So it, you go. This the is head me on the beer. Or- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is me in front of the Harbour Bridge. Um, I want to blur out the Harbour Bridge so I can, you know, I've I've have travelled all the way to Sydney so I can get a photo of the Harbour Bridge. I'm going to blur out the Harbour Bridge so you can see my beautiful face, right? So someone uses that effect and it blurs. iPhone or Apple, sorry, I should say, has a algorithm that works out. This is the exterior to the to the focal point, and blurs it out accordingly. Um, the trouble is, when it comes to beer, you've usually got two variables, and that is that you've got a a beer, uh, the the can or the bottle, the, the the vessel, and then you've got the glass. And what what a real common issue is: people are trying to create this ah. Uh, I'm going to take a fantastic like you know professional photo of this beer so I'm going to use the portrait mode of my iPhone and so they use that portrait mode to get that blurred background and then they enhance it to like 100% and then they take their photo and the and it, it cuts off all the edges of like the glassware so you see the glass you see the glass up until where the head hits and then the rest is blurred off and it just looks like it looks like, um, it's hard to explain this in sort of layman's terms, but from my perspective, it looks like someone's opened that in like a, a you know, graphic editing program and then they've, they've like, you know, cut out the picture of the beer and then they've like blurred the exterior and it's just there's this weird cut. So that to me is the most criminal thing you can do. Um, and a lot, of the, a lot of the other things that I think are wrong come down to – oh, actually, another big one is you take a photo of your beer. I've come all this way. I've got – going to take a photo of the beer. But instead of focusing on the beer, you focus on the background. So you actually post a photo of a blurred beer and like in in focus background of trees. You're like, oh, wow, a blurry beer and some some beautiful redwoods, you know. some nice daisies there they're blooming in the spring but i i can't see the beer it's blurry because the focus is on the background so that's that's the second thing um the i think th- one that really gets
0: you, you've Please described it because you're not a layman you're you're an, yeah. you're an expert in this so what you've just described i didn't understand but you described it very well no, thanks <laughs> but i'm um, you know, I don't know all the nuances of, and I, I, I haven't an, an old iPhone. <laughs> so, that's okay. But that's but, fine. But, yeah. I think the one that gets most from what I can see that gets most heat online, dirty glassware.
1: Oh, that, that was my, going to be my next <laughs> one. And that's what I actually cut off to explain the out of focus. But I think, so real simple, like, um, consider that you don't have a phone or you don't have a camera or anything. Look at, the thing if it's looks disgusting you're not going to fix that by taking a photo of it like you you know your phone's not a miracle worker it can't just make it look amazing so just look at the scenario look at the beers in front of you look at what's around you look at the lighting is it bright enough is this going to work take a photo and then you know post it if it's good but i mean at the same time when it comes to posting photos for instance on the the facebook page on the group i i don't think it really matters i think people are looking to see what the real scenario is but i think if you're trying to run an instagram and you're trying to kind of like show a stream of interesting beer journey photos then you know if you're posting terrible photos it's not going to help your cause and it's kind of boring for people looking at it it's kind of frustrating if anything but that's my take it's great,
0: and um, after straight after this, I'm going to delete my Instagram accounts. <laughs> so. I, look,
1: I, I honestly, like, I, you know, I'm still trying to learn how to do it. Like, I have gripes with everything I post, and I still am learning that. Um, the, that's actually one parallel from this whole thing that's um, drawn me in is just maybe, you know, getting a proper camera, learning a bit about photography. The The beer has become a nice apparatus for me to learn how to f- take photos. It's um, The beer has been a good test grounds for me and that's something in the media world that I can kind of take on board and maybe use for other purposes outside of it. Yeah, so. but it's a process, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you
0: know, I you should always hope that you're slightly embarrassed maybe by what you did a year ago, you know, because so, yeah. that means you've progressed, you know. Absolutely. Means you've got better.
1: And not just that, but also... Um, It depends on the type of person you are, but the type of person I am, I've come from, you know, uh, coming from, like, design, coming from music, playing in bands, all that sort of stuff. You always, like, every time you sort of get something done and you say, yep, we're here, we shouldn't tap the table. When, When we're done, that's always about the time that you start to go, hang on, you see all the imperfections and you're only here, you only see the imperfections that you've actually created. So I'm... I'm not saying I'm a perfectionist, but I'm saying I strive to find a way to do it better. So, and that you can also surround yourself by the right people. You can try to push yourselves in the in the right avenues, and uh, eventually, hopefully, you'll find your way to where you want to be. And and if not, you can just
0: sit washing a footy and take a picture, a blurred picture of a can of something <laughs> yeah. and post nice, on beer thread yeah. and just go, is anyone else drinking is that a this a 4X afternoon? or uh, I can't see the X's. I,
1: I, it just looks like a yellow can.
0: Yeah, no. So talking of 4X, yeah.
1: uh, choice four. Oh. <laughs> I almost took this out a couple of times, but I thought it really took, it really occupied a space. Um, especially, I wanted a, the right choice of the imperial stout that really drew me in um and this is a beer that's been available actually i should say it was available in australia for many years and it's phenomenal and it's still to this day thick viscous delicious chocolatey absolutely luscious and cool as hell artwork great bottle and um underrated like for years no one cared um, but it really just drew me into the idea of a thick stout and it's the, it's not the typical thing that most people say, oh, you know, it's not a Cooper's best extra stout. It's not a Guinness, which is probably the two things that brings people into the stout world. But I'll tell you what it is, North Coast Brewing, old Rasputin. I don't know if you've had this one, but it's just got Rasputin on it with a big beard. And this would would have been oh I can't even say the year. This would have been mid to late two thousands. This this beer has been around for since the nineties, maybe longer. I can't remember. But like actually some some quick sort of trivia context on this beer because I, I I looked it up today thinking I want to include this beer because this beer has just changed my way of thinking about how good a stout can be, just a straight stout. But to this day, I think. There's not many stouts that are still as good as that beer, even though we're, you know, I tried this 10 years ago, maybe longer. Um, but this beer won, um, this beer won, the, like the best Imperial Stout in the 1996 World Cup Awards, 96. And it also won, um, it won a similar award, 2018 in the World Beer Championships in Chicago. So if you think about that, a beer that has – and I looked at the list of awards and it's almost like – almost every year since 96 to 2019 or whatever, maybe a few years that it might not have entered or did or missed out or whatever. There's a few years missing. But really this beer has just been like uh, – like it is just so good. And for a long time we had um, Australia-wide distribution of North Coast Brewing and they – not just this beer but they had some phenomenal beers like um, – there was an, a, a there was a sort of a barrel-aged barley wine they had and there was a all these interesting deep dark intense styles and these beers were all about all between about seven and ten bucks per bottle for 355 mils um, and they were just shelf beers all around town for a long time and it's it's a shame because even though I'd tried a Guinness I'd tried a best extra stout but this beer went this beer took it to that nth level where i thought damn like i just want like thicker i want molassesy and deep and dark and that's where it really made me appreciate like where we are now tasting like the really ridiculous hectic stouts that the u.s are producing so and what a lineage like to mm. Stick
0: around, that you know, point. and I suppose also, you know, for one reason or other, beers change over time as well. So, or there's compromises made, or the scales of economy and things yeah. like that. So, to stick yeah. around for that length of time and to still be punching above its weight is, and very to impressive. also, they
1: they sort of like I, I believe that they've stuck very true to their roots in terms of the way the aesthetic, the label, um, and I almost want to show you, I won't, but I'll almost, maybe later, I'll uh, show you a photo of the uh, the aesthetic of that, because it's just Rasputin on this label, like with his big beard looking badass, gold and black, and it's just, I remember seeing it in the bottle shop thinking, that beer has to taste intense, and it, it did not disappoint um, and maybe we can play Boney M in the background while <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> watching Russia's oh. greatest love machine. <laughs> so that seems like a good time to yeah. move on to Choice Vive. <laughs> yeah. okay. Yep. Okay. Um, again, this is another beer that I did teeter with the idea of whether or not it should stay in here, but it just, I couldn't stop thinking about the memory it had. And uh, okay, so this isn't the beer, but the first time I had. Orville from Belgium and and just the fact that they produce one beer and it's just you know it's a showcase of Britannomyces. it's like really funky um intense flavor and it's just linear so it's one beer but yeah. loads of beers I want to say <laughs> it's that <like> beer loads <laughs> of different yeah. beers depending
0: yeah. on when you drink it, it what is. temperature yeah. what age
1: so I want to I wanted to say that beer but I'm not going to I'm going to say a beer that connected the dot between that beer and the usa and then what i tried here a few years later and that beer is green flash rayon vert so it was it's a belgian pale ale so it brings in that britannomyces almost orval style like funkiness to like the hops and just the way that they converge those units and then release this crazy beer blew my mind i remember i bought it from a little bottle shop when i first moved to melbourne called carlton cellars really random little bottle shop um that no one sort of knew about and they got these sorts of beers in in small quantities but i grabbed one and it just absolutely blew my mind because it was just it was hoppy and it was fresh but it was also funky and i didn't really know green flash And it was around the time that Green Flash just first started distributing to Australia and that actually opened the door for me for a lot of American stuff. So that whole period to me was a really important... Um, door opening towards the American craft beer sort of bombardment on Australia. Like I I was trying like Green Flash's West Coast IPA and then their double and then um, all the founder stuff started pouring in. So like, you know, you'd get their their porter and their backwards bastard and all that sort of stuff. And so it was a really exciting time. And for some reason that rayon vert really sticks in my mind as, okay, the Americans can do some ridiculous things, but maybe merging a couple of styles, merging Belgium with – an american sort of pale and just doing it right you can you can impart the best of the two sort of scenarios into one unit and did that have brett in yeah oh, oh, 100% it was like wow. a fully bretted pale ale um so it 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 just it, it tasted like if you were literally to cram in a 50% orval bottle with a, a Sierra Nevada pale and shake it up and like that's what it was like but it was brewed right you know it had the flavors of those two things and i think that was a bit of a gateway beer for me in terms of bringing me into the convergence of those sort of styles that I, i shouldn't say styles i should say more like more countries you know the way that america started to embrace the the worldwide styles and then bring those Flavors and those sort of techniques into their brewing and do them in a way that was respectable, and that beer to me did that. So
0: yeah, it's really a couple of things that are really interesting about that is the the existence of Brett in the beer. Uh, obviously, Brett loves oxygen, so it stops the beer getting oxidized because it's just eating the oxygen, and that's why it tastes so fresh, even if it's mm. a year old or something. Yeah. It still tastes got still got a zing and a zip to it. Yeah. But the other thing is. Um, when the craft beer scene kicked off in America, there isn't this, um, they're not shackled by tradition yeah. because there's no template. They were creating something new. Whereas all the European countries, uh, mm. beer, you know, legendary beer making countries are so shackled to their tradition, which is amazing. gives amazing results, but also can, you know, impinge on America like this, like a, mm. It would be kind of an abomination in Europe yeah. to brew yeah. a Belgian pale ale or, so, you know, something of that like where you like a US pale with yeah. a Belgian style or bread, and if that's what makes it exciting in America, it's also what makes it exciting in Australia as well. Yeah, because there's no template and there's yeah. no kind of tradition to besmirch to to. or to kind yeah. of you know ro- wrong people. Um, so that gives it a freedom that. I just don't think you know in Europe doesn't it doesn't exist as much, so that makes it a really interesting beer. Yeah, well,
1: like Orville, um, is I'm pretty sure they brew one beer, you know, just one beer, and that's all. So, and then you get breweries like Green Flash that brew hundreds of beer, and they all try different things every week. And I kind of I'm i I can fully respect tradition, but at the same time, like I love. Experimenting because you never know what's going to happen. Um, so,
0: perfect. Well, look, it's been a great journey so far, Leon. Let's uh, go on to
1: choice six. Okay, this is a final one. Um, again, it's not. I could have thought of more colorful options with this one, but this beer really did signify a certain point in my journey, which, um, which is probably where I am now in terms of what I sell most of, what I love most of. And it's also, um, yeah, it it kicked off a whole European journey for me in terms of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to drink. And it's, it's, it's basically the beer that if, you know, I was on death row, I was given that one choice. I'd probably grab a bottle of this and just sit down and drink it before before I I finish things. And that's Cantillon Gers. Straight up, like Cantillon Gers, if you don't know, it's like uh, the quintessential lambic brewed by Cantillon in Belgium since like the early 1900s. Um, A Gers is a a lambic, a spontaneously fermented beer that's uh, a mix of, I think, one, two and three-year-old lambics from different barrels thrown together and then... They create this girl's style, funky, wild, crazy, sort of delicious, scrumptious, fantastic beer that's basically like the pinnacle of all all beer drinking. And it's almost, they call it the champagne of Belgium, which I like because it's their celebratory drink and it makes so much sense when you're over there because the beers that they drink over there are heavy and dense and triples and all sorts of crazy beers and to have like a lambic makes so much sense that that's in the tier of, um, champagne, but I love it. It's, it's fantastic. And I actually visited Cantillon when I was over there, did a tour and uh, I was seeking it out all over the place. And I'm still to this day, it's still the thing that dominates my cellar. I, you know, if I can, if I see a bottle, I'll buy it. So Yeah. I'm not talking it up or anything, but I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: Leo, we've got, also got to talk about your uh, snack to accompany your six beers and, and your, your vessel to drink them out
1: okay. of. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about the vessel. Yeah, so the snack is simple. It's really boring for me. I thought about this one today, and um, really, if I'm drinking beer, generally speaking, unless it's... Okay, so if, if it is like your canteon or your funky beer, it's... You know, just give me like a cheese board. You know, it's all about the cheese board and the the more indulgent sort of flavors to really accompany the, the funky Brett sour. Um, if it's your more traditional styles, your sort of or, or your, your sorry your your pales and your IPAs and your your lagers and your pilsners and things, I'm happy with you know just a, a packet of kettle chips, some plain kettle chips, or some corn chips you know delicious simple chips to sort of feed the feed the habit and to also not not get in the way maybe clear the palate and yeah that's as simple as that really
0: and in terms of a receptacle to drink the beers out of. Mm. Um, wh- what do you do? Wh- what's the one that you reach for most probably
1: often? Probably mostly would just go for the rastal glasses. I like the I like the teku. The teku is just generally global. But if I'm drinking an IPA, the Craftmaster teku. I don't know if you've probably seen that shape. The kind of the larger version of the teku with the the um, wider stem. That's My favourite IPA glass and simple as that. Perfect.
0: Where can we find you online? I normally ask this at the end. It seems uh, fruitless to ask you this because Uh, you've got such a big online presence. But Beer Thread is a closed group, isn't it? But People who listen to this show, people can um, request to be
1: members. Just um, type it in in the search bar of Facebook, Beer Thread, one word, and it'll come up all caps. Just click join i'll approve you and we can high five and it's as simple as that or you can follow me on instagram just at beer thread sort of one word simple perfect yeah
0: and we love to see what people are drinking and what people are enjoying and
1: what people are not enjoying it's all all about engagement really it's just like join it's kind of like it's a community but there's nothing in it for anyone other than um just having a good time it's not no one's making money no it's not a a job or business or anything it's a hobby and it's just fun so just come and hang out sort of thing are you saying you don't make as much money as i do doing this i i wish i did you know (laughs) we can't all afford expensive microphones (laughs) (laughs) well on
0: that note (laughs) leon (laughs) <laughs> maybe I'll do some uh, back chat at the end of this episode to explain <laughs> but um, no it's been an absolute pleasure and Yeah,
1: thank you so much you've been amazing and it's been awesome so it really makes a nice uh, Monday night So it cheers. was
0: a yeah, really enjoyable experience Leon and I think the, the work that you're doing in the online space is really valuable and uh, if it wasn't for people like yourself it would be a very different space and uh, yeah it's, it's great it's so well done
1: thank you
0: thank you cheers so that was it leon from beer thread i genuinely had such a lovely time leon and i met up on a monday night uh which is the most schooly of all school nights and you know we had such a good time just talking about things on mic but also off mic we had such a a good time and i'm really looking forward to meeting up with leon again and sharing a couple of beers and also uh, our thoughts about the beer world as well thanks so much to all of you who have sent messages to me through instagram or facebook or email at thechosenbrew@gmail.com at or have gotten in touch through the website at thechosenbrewau.com it really is appreciated that support and We've got so many great guests lined up before the end of the year and that live episode to celebrate the Chosen Brew's third birthday is going to be very, very enjoyable as well. So make sure if you haven't already, get on the mailing list, become one of the chosen few and I'll make sure that you're kept updated. And please also leave reviews wherever you get your podcasts. That's really appreciated and it really does help as well. So thanks again to Leon for taking part and sharing his beer journey with us in this episode. And I really look forward to sharing the next beer journey with you next time. Thanks a lot.